0: Good morning. My name is Spencer Luce. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Psalms. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I will be reading selected verses from Psalm chapter 103 in the English Standard Version. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. The word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, uh, Spencer. You know, your parents were going to have to get you a new Seahawks jersey, but that Lynch one is uh, working out just fine, so that's great. And we knew we were getting a uh, great interim pastor, but who knew we had a great worship uh, leader as well. Uh, Yeah, wonderful job. So uh, good morning. My name is Ron Johnson. I'm on the uh, leadership team here at Evergreen. Today we are going to be doing a little looking back and some looking forward. Uh, At the end of the year, when we're wrapping up one year and about to start the next one, I think it's a good time for us to look back and look forward. So let's uh, pray that God will help us have his 2020 vision, pardon the pun, um, for, uh, for this morning as we look around. Lord, when we go home after church today, we want to know that we have had an encounter with you. So as we open your word right now, we ask that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see. Speak to us through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I uh, was preparing for this sermon, I did ask... God, to help me narrow this focus with a title like this, I mean, you could literally go in any uh, direction. So for our time together today, I'd like to suggest that we look back in gratitude and look forward in hope. Back in gratitude and forward in hope. Um, I think it's critical that we add these two words, gratitude and hope, because our Our uh, human tendency is to look back with regret or disappointment, not think about the accomplishments, or to look back in remorse and forget God's blessings. And we look forward, our human tendency is to look forward in fear or being resigned that "Ah, nothing's going to change, God's not going to do anything new for me, Uh, or we look forward in despair. That's our human tendency. But we gather today as believers in Christ to say we are not going to live with these human tendencies. We don't have to. We have a supernatural God who can empower us to live differently. He can help us look back in gratitude and forward in hope. So, first, let's look back in gratitude. Robert Emmons is a PhD, he's one of the world's leading scientific experts on gratitude from UC Davis in California. He says, gratitude heals, energizes, and transforms lives. In fact, they are engaged in a lot of uh, long-term research projects designed to create and disseminate a large body of novel scientific data on the nature of gratitude. But we don't need a study to, to uh, confirm this for us, right? I mean, we had Psalm 103 read for us. Let's look at that again, Psalm 103.1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, bless in this context means to praise as holy, to glorify. So when somebody does something really, really nice for us, what do we say? Oh, bless you. God bless you. Thank you very much. And I think uh, David in in Psalm 103 is is, uh, suggesting we uh, have a a whole list of things that we can be thankful to God for. And if you you look at uh, verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all its benefits. I'll hit a couple of what was just read for us. Who forgives us. All our iniquity, who heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. For he knows our frame, he knows we are but dust." So make a note to reread Psalm 103 and the quietness of your home later tonight or later this week. I mean, it's, it's a great list. And you know what I like about this list? It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor or middle class. It doesn't matter your gender, your skin color, your level of education. None of the things that humans tend to segregate over matters in the slightest, If you are human, Psalm 103 lists what everybody can be grateful for. So here's a big idea, number one this morning. We are unified in our gratitude to Almighty God. We are unified in our gratitude to Almighty God. Now, having said that, I still think it's okay that Dr. Emmons at UC Davis studied this idea of being grateful. In fact, one study um, he did and, and published... uh, One group kept a weekly gratitude journal, and the other group kept a weekly life hassles journal. Now when you go home at night and share with your spouse or your roommate or your family and friends, what do you share? You share what you're grateful for or do you share life's hassles? I won't ask for a show of hands on that one. Uh, Dr. Ammons goes on to say that in the study, those who kept gratitude journals on a weekly basis exercised more regularly, reported fewer physical symptoms, felt better about their lives as a whole, and were generally more optimistic about the upcoming week compared to the folks who kept the life hassle journal. There's even more evidence available that reveals an organic way to combat anxiety and depression, and it's through practicing gratitude. According to Christian author Jerusha Clark, she says gratitude and anxiety have mutually exclusive neural pathways in the brain. What that means is you physiologically cannot be grateful and anxious at the exact same time. So this isn't science or psychology talking. This is an explanation of how we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember Psalm 139.15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was being made, intricately woven in the depths. Now, intricate means having many interrelated parts, complex, complicated I think the human body certainly qualifies as being intricate. So, God, our Creator, in His wisdom, knew that we humans would be prone to worry. And He gave us the antidote gratitude. So, here's big idea number two when we stop and take time to be grateful, we are physically blocking our body's tendency. To worry. Now, there are a lot of verses in the Old Testament that encourage the Israelite nation to remember God's faithfulness to them and to be grateful for his blessings. And I think these verses are certainly for us, too. And we'll look at a couple. The first one's in Deuteronomy, written by Moses. They had come out of slavery in Egypt. They'd survived the plagues. They had escaped uh, through the uh, parting of the Red Sea. They had seen God show up for them in huge ways over and over and uh, Deuteronomy 4.9 says this, "'Take care and keep your soul diligently, "'lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, "'and lest they depart from your heart "'all the days of your life. "'Make them known to your children "'and your children's children.'" So they didn't have uh, books and, and photo albums and all that to look back on, so they used telling stories over and over to remember things, and that's why I think he says, tell these things to your children and your grandchildren. And one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is to remind them how, um, how much God has blessed them. Maybe you, if you've got young kids, maybe you need to get the children's Bible version and, and read Psalm 103 to them. But before we can teach our kids, we have to remember too, don't we? And we are so prone to forget, like the Israelites, when we become affluent and comfortable in our life. We think, I'm doing well at work because I'm working so hard. I'm healthy because I'm eating smart and exercising. We forget the gifts in our comfort and influence that God has given to us. In fact, this is a scene that probably played out in thousands of uh, living rooms on Tuesday this week. As a parent, you had a young kid and they really wanted this uh, new toy. And you found it, you wrapped it, and now they're playing with that toy next to the tree and, and life is good. And then a cousin or a sibling walks up and wants to play too. And what do you hear? It's mine. And you think, what on earth? I mean, I just gave you that gift a few minutes ago, and now in your affluence, you uh, have forgotten that it's a gift, and, and we tend to do that too. So big idea number three is this, in the cloud of affluence, we forget the gifts we have been given. That's why I like that, uh, that line in the hymn, uh, Come Thou Fount, here I raise my Ebenezer. Now who thinks they know what Ebenezer stands for? not Scrooge. (laughs) In in Hebrew, it means a stone of help. In other other, uh, books, you'll see it referred to as a stone of remembrance. And this is one example of what an Ebenezer stone might look like. If you do a a search, internet search for images, you'll see some are six or eight or 10 feet tall. But um, this is what they did um in in that time is place a rock or stones to help them remember how God had helped them. First Samuel uh 7:12 refers to one of these instances. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, "Till now the Lord has helped us." Samuel wanted to do something that would help everybody remember. He didn't have a smartphone to take a picture and text it out and put it on Facebook. We do need visual reminders and mental reminders of how God has been faithful to us. Let's not be like the Israelites who forgot. At the end, I'll be giving you a short homework assignment to write some stuff down to have an Ebenezer list of your own stories I keep a list of uh, what I call evidences of God's grace in the back of my Bible, or just there's probably 50 or 60 just short paragraphs of of how God showed up. And I just love looking back um, to remember um, the ways that God has blessed me and my family. So let's switch gears and now look forward uh, in hope, look forward in hope. One of the curses of the internet is that we have too much information, and the people that write all the news headlines, they have to, they're pressured to refresh their content over and over. So we seem, it seems like we now hear about every act of violence in the world, every moral failure, every natural disaster, every bit of bad news out there. It, uh, it's been said that our, our brains are like Velcro for bad news, but Teflon for good news. So it makes it uh, tough when uh, we are trying to look forward in hope. But I've got a, a good idea. Let's turn to God's Word instead of the Internet for our news. There's a life tip for you right there. <clears throat> yeah, balance, balance out uh, that with God's Word. Second Thessalonians 3, 3-5 says, The Lord is faithful. He will establish, establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So there's a lot going on in this verse, but I'm gonna ask that we focus on what Paul is encouraging us to stay focused on, and that's God's love for us. So how is this done? Notice Paul says, God will establish you. God will guard you. Notice it's the Lord who directs your heart to the love of God. Seems like God's doing most of the heavy lifting, as usual, right? What is our role? If We're to simply stay at the table, stay in relationship with him to keep on acknowledging our faith to God day in and day out, and that faith will propel us towards God's love. But I thought we were talking about hope for the future. What has love got to do with being more hopeful for the future? Well, is it easier or harder to feel hopeful when you feel loved? Who thinks that it's easier to remain hopeful when you feel loved? Yeah, it's almost universal, right? And for you skeptics, I think I can still prove it to you. We experience this in our... Human relationships, so I want you everybody to think back to the your first boyfriend or girlfriend. Got it? That first time you, you fell in love, you felt full of hope, right? Life was good. Um, somebody loved me. In fact, it's probably more useful to uh, talk about what happens when you break up to prove my point, right? Life is probably not worth living when you broke up after that first boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Not sure I can go on. But in the case of God's love for us, there is never a breakup, there is never a divorce. Um, And think about, I guess that's another uh, time you probably felt really, really hopeful was for all of us married. Think about how how hopeful you were during your engagement and and honeymoon, perhaps. Nothing got you down because, hey, we've got a wedding date. So with God's love, you'll never experience the waxing and waning of love because it's a steady force. He wants us to always feel His love and always stay full of hope. That's why it's a good idea to read God's Word God's love for you is mentioned more than anything else in the Bible, and that's why we, uh, that's why we gather here. Uh, we need to remember uh, uh, the good news of God's love. In fact, if you're ever feeling hopeless, you can do this. Hey, Siri, show me the verses in the Bible about God's love.
0: Okay, I found this on the
1: web for show me the verses in the Bible about God's love. Look at that. There's hundreds of verses about God's love. So use your smartphone if you're feeling hopeless. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." So Paul is certainly looking forward, he's pressing on toward the goal for the prize. This is our upward call from Almighty God. This is your calling. If you want to have 2020 be a year of hope, remember this calling. So what is this prize we're supposed to be straining for? The notes in my ESV study Bible say this, the prize is the fullness of blessings and rewards in the age to come, most especially being in perfect fellowship with Jesus. Now, are we in perfect fellowship with Jesus during our time here on earth? Likely not. But that day is coming. Sometimes I think I put too much hope in this life and not enough in the next one. So I have one more verse that I'd like to show us that will hopefully get us thinking more about the next life. And it's 1 Corinthians fifteen forty-nine. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. What what Paul is saying is, right now we are an earthly being, but one day we will be a heavenly being if our faith is in Christ. Right now we're trapped in a body of flesh and all that goes with that. But if we have faith in Christ, one day that will change. This, this hope for tomorrow should help us with today, shouldn't it? It should be like looking forward to a, a great vacation that's coming up. So just imagine that it's February 2nd, Groundhog Day, by the way. And it feels like Groundhog Day because it's been raining for 20 days and 20 nights. It's rained so much that the animals are starting to pair up. You'll get that on the way home. <clears throat> but... <clears throat> What you remember that you're for winter break this year, you're, you're gonna be going to Maui. So the anticipation of the warm breeze you are about to experience puts a smile on your face as you walk to your car and get soaked to the bone. Is anybody close to retirement or can remember being close to retirement? Imagine that retirement is right around the corner you don't care that you're sitting in this boring meeting because you're about to never have to go to another meeting ever again. I love what uh, John Eldredge says uh, about this verse in his devotional restoration year. If you're looking for a good devotional tool, um, this is a great one, restoration year. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to read just a couple of uh, paragraphs, and I'll invite you to even close your eyes just to let this beautiful imagery sink in. He says, You'll be made perfect. Finally, the totality of your being will be saturated only with goodness. Think of all that you're not going to have to wrestle with anymore. The fear that has been your lifelong battle the anger, the compulsions. No more internal civil wars, no more doubt, no lust, no regret, no shame. What has plagued you these last many years? What has plagued you all your life? Your healer will personally lift it from your shoulders. What tender intimacy is foretold when you're promised that your loving Father will wipe away every tear from your eyes? Not only tears of sorrow, but all the tears of shame, guilt, and remorse. That moment alone will make the whole journey worth it. Isn't that beautiful? We are on a journey, and that journey's destination is a new heaven and a new earth. So here's big idea number four. We can handle a lot when we have a lot to look forward to. I mean, just imagine the relief you will feel when you're in heaven, when all you know is overwhelming peace and overwhelming joy. I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you hope in 2020 is available because God is going to bless your life and life is always going to be up and to the right. If you read your Bible, go to church and pray, life will be good all the time. The truth is that we live in a broken world where an evil power is allowed to run rampant. For now. But Mark Paul's words, one day evil will be gone and you will be a heavenly bane. So I want you to imagine uh, one more thing. Imagine that you're uh, in heaven, uh, it's, you know, you're there for 250 years, that's likely three times longer than, uh, how, you know, how long you'll be alive here on earth. So you're there for 250 years and somebody comes up and asks you, hey, what was your life like? back on Earth. I mean, you might have a hard time remembering, right? <laughs> I, th- I think I lived in a place where it rained a lot. <laughs> I used to wear hats, I think I liked hats, I'm not sure. All that stuff we worry about today won't matter at all. It's like looking back on that first day of fourth grade. It was a big deal back then, right? What am I gonna wear? Are my friends going to remember me? Or is my teacher going to be nice? Will I be able to find my room? Am I going to get a good seat? Uh, all of that stuff seemed like a big deal back then. When we've been in heaven for a hundred years or a thousand years, your whole life will be like that first day of fourth grade. Seemed really important back then, but in the grand scheme of things, now... Hmm you have the right perspective. So here's the last big idea. We have a hope for tomorrow that can help with today. Or the bumper sticker version, tomorrow's hope helps today. Tomorrow's hope helps today. To wrap up, I'm going to give you a New Year's homework assignment. Are you ready? You should write this down. Put this in your, get out your phone and put it in your calendar. I'm going to ask all of us to apply looking back in gratitude and looking forward in hope. So before you obsess over your uh, New Year's resolutions, sit down and make a list of how God has blessed you in 2019. Look back over your calendar. Just get alone with God, sit still, be quiet, and just ask God to recall for you evidences of His grace. Remember how he has showed up in your life. Maybe you start with Psalm 103 if you need to. Use a journal or the the notepad in your smartphone or tablet. Do this sometime in the next week and try to do it every week. It's a great practice. Next, write out a prayer and seal it in an envelope. Put it somewhere where where you'll find it again this time next year. And your prayer would start with this. Dear God, here's my prayer for 2020. These are my hopes. These are ways I need you to show up in my life. This is where I need to grow in my relationship with you. Will you please do this homework? I mean, you're not really going to be graded technically. But isn't life a pass-fail course. As your week goes, so goes your month. As your month goes, so goes your year. As your year goes, so goes your life. We literally are in a pass-fail situation. You don't want to look back with regret and look forward in fear. That's no way to live. God has the antidote to regret and fear. It's living with a heart full of gratitude, focused on the hope that only a life with Him can produce. There is no other way. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the hope that we have of a fully restored heaven and earth, fully restored, new heavenly body. Lord, help that hope for tomorrow. Help us today. And Lord, speak to us when we sit down and do our homework, Lord. Remind us of all the ways that you have blessed us, all the things that we've taken for granted. Fill our hearts with gratitude and may that cause us to respond in love to all those in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.